welcome to the January episode of the Thrivecast. I am Greg. And I am Jason. And we have got a hell of a program for you we to kick do. off 2016. Who do we got joining us today, Jason? Gretchen Rubin, and she is the author of the latest awesome book, Better Than Before. It's about habits. That's right, what we're and talk she's about. also... She's also the author of The Happiness Project, a book that I devoured in December. Totally loved it. Can't wait to uh, spend some time talking to Gretchen. Um, and listener, we are glad that you're with us again. This is, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're closing up the fifth year of yes. doing this, of doing this podcast. That's nutballs. And thank you for being with us. <laughs> and thank you for being a part of this. And we've got some other people to thank besides just you listeners. We've also got our sponsors to thank. Jason, tell us about one of our sponsors. Right. One of our sponsors has always been good to us, and that's Zoho Books. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a beautiful online accounting software. You can go to Zoho Books and see the tour and see all that they give you uh, as a awesome accounting package. And, of course, everybody knows Zoho has about – 50, 11 other applications that all yeah. integrate, and that's yeah. what makes them awesome, like subscriptions so you can draft clients' fees and things yeah. like that, uh, Zoho Books. And we have another uh, sponsor. Who's that? That is Avalara. Avalara, the, the, they're, they're the Mike Tyson of, of <laughs> sales tax, <sales tech. laughs> just minus the ear-biting and the, the, the retire. They're they're really good. What I'm trying to say is they're really good. Okay, they're more of they're like the Madonna. There you go. Of, well, no, that's not that's probably not. Um, the, the, the they're amazing sales tax solution right. for you and for your clients. Sales tax. I've told you the story. I used to do manual sales tax at the CPA firm that I worked for. Yeah, you hated it. Was, it. it was well, I hated it because it was like the worst, most boring. Most I used to do that too. Job. Did you? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Did you do it for Virginia? No, I did it for California, which was really bad at that time when we were doing it. Virginia, it was Virginia or West Virginia, had to do it by hand, had to do it by city. Like, they listed all the cities in Virginia. <laughs> this was for a multi-level marketing company that we did oh, the gosh. books for. So they had, they had like, you know, they, they'd have like $12 of transaction in in a, in a different jurisdiction. Something about West Virginia, too, their names of their cities all sound like they could be swear words. Like there's, there, there's we're off topic. Here. It's but but what what uh, Avalara does is it makes it so that you don't have to deal with cities that sound like swear words. People go to avalara.com, check them out, make sure that they're they're doing every leverage them That's to right. make your life easier, to make your clients' life easier. Thank, so thank you, sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. So like we said, Gretchen Rubin has got her new book about habits like how to how to develop and maintain habits right right that's right better than before better than before and uh but but before we talk to her we wanted to talk a bit about organizational change change within your firm uh and how to how you how that happens what you can do to uh make that more effective in terms of making your changes in your firm it's it's an interesting thing do you remember Brene Brown I do. She, I, I watched her, uh, her, her, because she blew up with a TEDx talk on right. vulnerability and authenticity, and her right. TEDx talk blew up so much that she went on to give a real TED talk, and in right. her TED talk, 
she started saying, ever since that TEDx, I've been asked to cha- to, to speak a, a whole lot. Uh, and when they contact me, they say, well, what sort of topics can you talk on? And she says, well, uh, I can I can talk about uh, authenticity and vulnerability because I'm a shame researcher. So I can talk about shame as well. And they're like, hmm, that's not really what we were after. We were after yeah, uh, topics like innovation and change <laughs> and leader. <laughs> leadership. So fortunately, I think the whole idea of, uh, of talking about how to develop and maintain habits relates very, uh, easily, very, it's a close tie in with just change well, in general. So you think, so you think talking about habits is the same thing as change in an organization I or I think it's about personal change rather than organizational change, but I, I'm hoping that Gretchen's going to tell us how they all tie in together. I think I know how they tie in. Tell me. Okay, if we're talking about habits personally, are which is we've some people call them rituals, right? Okay. Sometimes okay. I yeah. don't know rituals. Maybe the the brothers, the the uh, Heath brothers, the Heath brothers. The, do they call them rituals? I, I don't I know. Don't they know. have a habit book. I don't, don't know. They? I don't know because they no. yeah. And and Jason's talking about a, a book called Switch by yeah. Chip and Dan Heath, which uh, which you and I both read. Cover to cover, yeah. Back in two thousand eleven. So, so here's what I'm thinking. Okay, if habits are part of personal development, are processes also inside of an organization kind of like habits? You know, that's that's interesting because I feel like so when I'm when I'm dealing with okay, I'm pretty good at developing habits. Like if there's something that I want to accomplish. I will, I, it's pretty easy for me once I'm, once I've made the decision, the mental decision that this is something I want to do, I can generally always get it done, but I always attribute that to the fact that I'm able to set up a system whereby I can accomplish whatever it is that I'm set out to, that I set out to do. So I think that there's something about just setting up systems that's going to help both an organization and an individual. Probably like, you know, like a, like a, like Paul, like a procedure. Here's a, here's a, a, a routine. You get into routines. You say, here's how I'm going to do that. Like, uh, for instance, I'm trying, I'm going to read, uh, at least 12 books this year. Wow. And, uh, at least those are like, uh, yeah, one of the, and you, and, and you'll do, I'll it. do it. And part of it, is I'm going to look like I just, just a, a couple days ago, I needed to finish a book that I got for Christmas, which was hilarious. It was David Spade, you know, him from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He wrote oh, yeah. a, he wrote a little book called uh, David Spade is not interesting or something like that. And it's hilarious. Anyways, I needed to finish that guy up. Pretty easy to finish up. He's not, he didn't use a lot of big words. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but he, he did. Uh, but anyway, so I got another book. And I, and I need to finish it by, uh, by the end of January. So it's just like, okay, I know that I ride my recumbent exercise bike for an hour a day and <laughs> guess what I can do while riding. And, and I chose to do that. I chose to, to, to get my cardio with a recumbent bike. Do you know why Jason? Cause why I can that? do other crap while I'm on my bike, like read, like, like read. read. So I need to figure out, I'll figure, you know, it's just, it's just a stupid thing. You go, it's this many pages. I got this many days left in January, divide it out, figure out how many pages you got to read every day, read that many pages while you sit on the stupid well, recumbent bike. Well, here's why you do it. Cause you're an upholder. I'm an upholder. Right. Do we need to get, so, should we get into that? So we got to talk about that. Okay. So maybe we can take a side, side break from 
our habits in personal lives the same thing as processes in organizations, but we probably need to explain what Gretchen Rubin's book is about. Okay. And it talks about the four tendencies of how people respond to expectations, right. I think is what that yep. – is that the That's definition? That's exactly the definition. And there are four. There's an upholder. Uh-huh. Which I am. Quest- which you are. Uh-huh. There's a questioner. Which – Which is what our producer, Jennifer Blummer, is. Uh-huh. There's a rebel, which not many people are rebels. Right. We, we, we identified three – well, three people in Thrival self-identified as rebels right. going to Yammer to figure out exactly who those people are. Yes, We're right. not going to out them and on then, the podcast. No, no. And then there's obligers, which I am. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. Okay, the difference between the upholder and the obliger, I see them as on two opposite sides. Like the upholder, which is you, you can set – your own internal expectations, and you meet them. Uh-huh. Now, but for me, I can't set my own internal expectations. I need outward expectations, so I need accountability. Right. So if I was going to read 12 books, uh-huh. I would need somebody else to know, and I would actually need them to tell me to do it and give me a schedule, even if I helped them. Yeah. And, and I, huh. I figured that out about myself even this past year because um, there were some – you know, when I do CrossFit, uh-huh. I'll try to go as many times as I can, but I, I don't go as much as I as I could. But when I enter a contest uh-huh. at the CrossFit box, right? If they say come five times a week and row or run ten thousand meters a week for a whole month, right. sign your name on and that the, paper. And what do they have like a board on the wall where you see all yeah. your stuff? That's and I do yeah. it. Then I then I did it, but I never I never could have done five right. days Which, a week okay, on my own. Okay, can I tell you something? Okay, here's this is interesting, and I didn't think our conversation would go this way, but it is now. Um, I, they I've thought often because some of our clients, and and I think according to Gretchen Rubin, so there's the there's the four things: there's the obliger, the upholder, the questioner, and the rebel. And the and yep. and I think that she said the that there are more obligers than anything else. They're followed, I think, rather closely by questioners and then by upholders and then by rebels. But you got to realize that your clients are going, you're going to have a lot of obligers who are clients. And I've thought of this. What if your firm had some kind of thing that said, that didn't give away like tact, like, like sensitive information, but it's like, here's my clients. I've got 50 of them. I need all these things from all of my clients. And you start checking it off for each of them. So your clients can go on online and go, Oh my gosh, I'm the only one who hasn't, you know, hasn't updated my, my zero, hasn't closed out my zero file for 2015. Now, okay, so something similar is sometimes you'll go into LinkedIn Uh and they'll say your profile is only 83% complete. And you're like, no way it's not. I'm going to finish that bad boy now. And then you go, oh, that means I have to upload my resume, which means I have to make a resume. I'm good with 82%. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But, 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 you know, different people who respond to different tendencies will respond to either Inward yeah. expectations or outward. And that's that's that, that's the difference yeah. between well, yeah, the two. And, all four of these. And that little bar that says how how much your your LinkedIn thing. That's that's a mild external expectation on people. I have you know it's funny. I thought you were going here that's with funny. LinkedIn because LinkedIn always will tell me how many updates exactly how many updates I have not like checked out yet. Right. And I and I'm horribly compulsive about. <laughs> 
about getting that to zero because LinkedIn bugs me and I want it to just leave me alone. Alone. <laughs> well, it also tells you how many people have viewed your profile, and then you click it, and it won't tell right. you unless it's, you sign up for premium. Right. <laughs> right. It says, it says, yeah, for enter your four, credit card here, right. and then you're like, okay, four as long people as who've chosen you. to keep themselves anonymous have checked right. out your page. Well, that's but that's interesting. It it seems like app, apps like LinkedIn and and maybe firms, maybe we could apply this, is knowing that humans will respond to us depending on what what they are, yeah. they'll respond to a certain kind of um, motivating expectation right. or right. something. Exactly. And again, it's these four respond either to an inward or an external right. motiva- motivation in different ways. And rebels, they're just like the buttholes. They don't care <laughs> yeah. about anything. Right. So, so that's, so I guess to, just to catch the listeners up. So an obliger, which is what you are, you're great right. with external expectations. You struggle right. with internal expectations. I do. Uh, a, I'll let myself down, but I won't let others. Right down. there, you go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, that, and, and the quiz we took because you can you can go online check you know try to find the Gretchen Rubin tendencies. We'll quiz. put it in the show we'll put notes. It in the show yeah. notes. You can you can it'll tell you what you're the weird yeah and I th- I think it is I think it's a little bit it'd be it might be hard for you to figure out who you are just by thinking about it but I think the quiz helps uh, upholders are good with both external and internal expectations. A questioner, I thought this was interesting, questioner is not so great with external expectations, but they're really good with internal expectations. And they're as what's as long as as long as they're motivated and they see good reason to do what yeah. what they think should be done. Right. They need to know it's it's worthwhile to Yeah, do it. and that's why they're called questioners is what I've it, right. it, it, you know, I think is implied there is that they'll look at every expectation, whether internal or external, and go, is yeah. this smart or is this stupid? And if right. it's smart, they'll go, yep, I need to be doing that. And then the rebel, on the other <laughs> the hand, rebel. is they're motivated by their sense of freedom and self-determination. It's like, if I want to do it, I'm going to do right. it. And, and That's it. Right. Well, and it seems like with the rebel <laughs> – because a lot of the questions in that quiz were like, if someone tells you to do something, are you going to say, screw you, you're not my dad, and, <laughs> yeah. wa- and walk then away? You're then you're a rebel if you answered that If you're the person who wants to do something even less because it's an expectation, you're a rebel, which is weird because I was like going, there's no way that there's any functional adult in the world who's a rebel. And then we find that there's some folks in Thrival who are, who are great, successful people who are rebels. Well, and they, they work for themselves because, um, you know, basically a rebel, they do not like anybody to tell them what to do. Right. They don't like any expectation imposed on right. them uh, at all. And so actually almost half, so we had a lot of Thrival members actually take this quiz. Almost half came out to be obligers. Yeah. A much smaller number were the smallest number were rebels, rebels right? Uh, but questioners were pretty yeah. high, and, and then after questioners were upholders. So I think it was uh, obligers were first, uh-huh. then questioners, right. then upholders, uh-huh. then rebels. And that you know this is not a statistically right. valid sample, <laughs> right? It's people it's clearly. So this is not clearly. a valid well, sample of accountants across the world. And that's but, and that's the other thing because 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 uh, even like reading through some of Gretchen's. Uh, analysis of of this herself is she says that she's found that the fewest that rebels are the fewest 
You're not going to, you find fewer rebels than anything else out there. However, I kind of wonder, again, if you're talking about you know, statistics and, and the, you know, the validity of, of these findings, isn't a rebel somebody who's going to be like, you, take, you want me to take a quiz? Well, screw you. I'm not going to take your <laughs> stupid tendencies quiz. And so, right, so maybe that's why there's they opt out. They, they self, they self, you know, you know what was funny is we, when you take the quiz, you can then say, click this button if you want the report. Uh-huh. Well, all the questioners wanted the report because right, right. they're like, I'm going to question yeah, whether you actually got my real? answers right. Yeah. I mean, is this for real? Let me let me right. double check it. Yeah, but maybe the rebels are like, I ain't taking no stupid quiz. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I never thought exactly. about that. But so, um, so this is all about. Why are these tendencies about habits? Uh-huh. Well, because habits, I mean, again, I've, I think that's a great question that we need to ask Gretchen. Um, my guess is that when you're talking about habits, well, I mean, what, what's a motivation to either develop a new habit or to maintain a habit or even to ditch a habit that you have that sucks? Ooh. Then it, isn't that because there's expectations on you that are either – other people's expectations are your own. If you're, you know, if you're trying, well, here's the thing. I mean, the thing that keeps coming up is like, is like the, uh, you know, working out is, is working mm-hmm. out. And, and, yeah. and that's the thing. Is that an internal expectation or an ex- external expectation for people? I'm going to say it's probably both. Yeah. I, th- I, I like what you said though. Can knowing your tendency help you either create a new habit or ditch a habit? Yeah. Create one, maintain one or ditch one. I never thought about ditching because I guess you because you got good. We all have bad. Yeah, habits. you got good habits. You got bad habits. So you want to maintain the good habits. You want to ditch the bad habits. Then you've got other stuff that you're like, I just need to be doing that. So you need to develop a new habit. Right. So I think those are so. Okay, so I'm I'm curious. Okay, so we're talking about habit. This is cool. January is the time to talk oh, about yeah. habits. Hell yeah! Do you I mean, do you do do you do New Year's resolutions? No, no. I just wrote a post on LinkedIn, and it's called "Change is Boring." Uh huh. And it's about that's weird. I do not do resolutions. Huh. Do not do resolutions. No, you're anti-resolution because change is a is a long, mm-hmm. long process. Right. And so the people who get it right do all the small things over and over for years and years gotcha. and become different people. It's how I at least Tra- yeah perceive yeah. it. Probably from how I've I've right. lived my life. I I can't just be a new person January first. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I 100% I think, see, and, and that's the thing, me too. So I would say on one hand, no, I don't do resolutions. On the other hand, I absolutely do do resolutions. My process <laughs> is like this. At, around the end of December, I'm thinking 20, like this, this just happened. It was the, the end of December. I'm going 2016 is upon me. What do I want to have? What do I want my life to be like in 2016? And I very methodically go through, here are my, I have six priorities that are incredibly important to me. I've weeded it down to six and I go, okay, how did I do in 2015 on these things? How do I, and and I even did this thing. So like, I think I've gone over this before, even on the podcast. I think you have. Yeah, I was thinking this sounds familiar. And so, so with this year, it was a little different where in all those six different categories, I was like, do I want to, for these different things, do I want to ease off the gas on it? Do I want to maintain it or do I want to hit on the accelerator with these things? So that's kind of what Mm. I did with all of them. And then with that, I was like, okay, how am I going to do, what's that? What does that mean? If I want to, if I want to work on my relationships more, 
this summer, if I want to work more on my family this year, what does that mean? What am I really going to do to make that happen? What do I, if I want to work, cause these are the things I want to, I want to do more. I want to focus more on my family and I want to w- focus more on uh, friendships that I have. Mm. And so one of the things that I've, is like once a month, I'd love to have a dinner party at my house. Let's do that. Cool. Once a once a month dinner party. There's my system. And I even say, because we've got these three different pools of friends. I've got comedy friends. I've got uh and then we, we like then there's kind of the uh the friends that are from the, the, that we have from the church that my wife goes to, and then and then there's kind of these other like neighbors and and work friends. And so it's right. like, so I want to do I want to do once a month dinner party where I have where we invite a, a, some a, a, have at least a them? comedy friend. Uh, represented a neighbor or work friend represented and, and a church friend represented. And that's going to be, that's what we're doing. That's and it's cool. like, and is, so, is that a resolution? It kind of is. And is it a new year's resolution? Yeah. Because the new year was coming, but I, but resolutions are like a punchline. There's something you start and you'd not expect it to finish. Right. But okay. So I'm, I'm curious as to how knowing your tendency helps you fulfill that. So if you're, so if you're an upholder, uh-huh. you'll, you'll tend to be motivated by internally the fact right. that you actually believe that it's important right. and you and you'll probably follow through with it see i would i would say all the things you said and as an obliger i would be like well i want to do it if other i just want to be accountable to another person so uh. now but so maybe if my wife came up with the idea pitched it to me and i said that's a good idea and she was totally into it. And she said, "Hey, it you know it's next week. Let's get ready." I would totally do it because I don't want to let her down. Right. So I'm obliging right. her. So I, I think knowing your tendency is helpful to know what you're going to be successful right. at pulling off. Well, and you know what? I mean, we that's something that we're gonna we're gonna grill Gretchen on is because yeah. apparently she's got a bu- I, I think maybe like uh, ten or a dozen strategies that people can use in the book to leverage. And I think she's even mapped out in terms of which different profile, like if you're, if you're a, if you're a questioner, here's some strategies that are going to be more effective for you than for others. And if you're a rebel, there's no strategies. You're, you're just adrift (laughs) at sea and enjoy, enjoy your life of not ever accomplishing anything. (laughs) So yeah, well, I've got a strategy. Is that a little too harsh? Did I go too far? Yeah, you know, okay. rebels. May, maybe they'll pull it off better than they don't care what I say about them. They don't care what you say anyway. <laughs> They're not listening because they don't right, want. They don't right. need self improvement. So, uh, no. But as a, as an obliger, even this past year, I mentioned I figured out myself about being an obliger, uh, and it, specifically this year, I want to I want to get better at CrossFit. Uh, I want to get stronger, which I which I have been, and I enjoy it. But I'm seeing that I could do more because I'm starting to see my abilities increase, yeah. which is kind of exciting. But I but I won't go. You won't go two or three times a week is about all I'll do. Uh. It. But I just went through this this four week event where I did it five times a yeah. week plus other stuff, and I'm like, how was I able to right. do that if I can't do this on my own? Right. And so what I did is. One of the speakers at Deeper Weekend this past uh, year, Brandon Simpson. Brandon Simpson. Yeah, he's my he's my coach, and he's going to be doing a workshop this year too online. The same thing he did at Deeper Weekend. He's doing it online this year. Um, I I said I'm hiring you. Uh, Here's some money. You give me a workout schedule. Yeah, cool. And when he does, it's uh, he said okay. How much? He did a lot of assessment to figure out how. 
And, it, and I said, I want to come four times a week. And I've gone four times a week every single time he gave yeah, me the schedule. No and when I didn't have his schedule, I didn't go four times a week. Yeah. But because you are an obliger to the core. I'm an, I'm an obliger. And I, you know what? I don't think I knew that the first 40 years of my yeah. life, which is. Well, not good. and that's the thing. So, okay. So here's the next thing. So when we're talking about change at your firm, is it a good Because you do a lot of, you change. You change stuff up at your firm. Arguably, I imagine, do people at your firm say, Jason, are you just changing stuff because you dig on change so much? Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. Been accused of is that. This, so is this kind of stuff, do you think knowing the tendencies of your employees will mm. help you be more yeah. effective at making yeah. change? Yes. Because, because this is the thing, because you're going to deal with, because here's what I see. I see obligers and upholders, because upholders are good with internal and external expectations right. obligers are good with external expectations if it's at work you're saying we're doing this and here's what i need you to do then those two people are going to go okay this is an expectation i'm going to do what i can to meet that expectation right right if you have right. a rebel working at your firm you're going to fire them get them off the bus <laughs> That's right right okay that's if right if you've got a yeah, questioner no. though the questioners i think are a lot of times get a bad rap because questioners are people going, this is, why are we doing this? Why are we making this change? Is this change worthwhile? And so often doesn't the leader just go, why are you being such a pain in the ass? Get on board. <laughs> but you know what? That's not what they're doing. Not right? at all. If we, they're trying to figure out, give me a reason for right. buy-in. And when I've got it, I am they're in. They're in. Exactly. They're in. Those people so, are going to be, it seems like those people are going to be your linchpin and your change. Uh, effort. So, okay, as a leader of a firm, it's cool to know what tendencies your team has. So, if one of them's asking you a lot of questions, they're not they're not questioning the validity. They're trying to gain what they need to do it. Right. And then some of them might not, you might not hear from them anymore, and they'll just do it because they're an obliger. Uh huh. Right. Um, and then the other ones you might not hear from, but they're going to do it because you told them to, and they're an upholder. Uh-huh. Uh, the rebels. Yeah, you might need to fire. You them, might need to. I, I don't know. I, I want to talk to her a lot about rebels because they're confusing yeah. to me. I seriously don't get it. So, <laughs> okay, but before we're done, here's what she said. All right, upholders wake up and think this: What's on the schedule and the to-do list for today? I am. So the, I am. Do you know I'm a massive to-do? Do do, I'm a to-do list like not not Nazi, more um, more like a democratically elected. Uh, <laughs> Nazi. I don't know. But but I do. I, yeah, every day I make a to-do list and I, and I get, Uh, I get incredible joy out of, out of that and of of knocking stuff off. So that's you. You're an upholder. What's on the schedule and the to-do list for today. The questioner wakes up and think, thinks what needs to get done today. They're very motivated by seeing good reasons Uh, for a particular action. Rebels are, what do I want to do today? uh, (laughs) That's what they say. And then obliger, which is me, wakes up and thinks, what must I do today? Meaning, who has imposed right. something upon who's, me that I must complete? Who's going to smack me down if I, do, <laughs> That's right. if I don't do That's this? Right. right. Which is so funny because, you know, on my to-do list, I literally have two columns. On, and, I, and I never thought about this until just a second. I've got two columns on my to-do list. The column <laughs> on, the, on the left is like the stuff I need to do for, for work. And the column on the right is the stuff I need to do for me, which is my external expectations <laughs> and my internal expectations. It's right freaking there, that even on my to-do so, list. Nutballs. That is so weird and nutballs. Yeah. 
Okay, we got to get Gretchen. We do. Let's go. Let's go get Gretchen Rubin. Here we come. All right, we're uh, back with Gretchen Rubin on the line. Welcome, Gretchen Rubin, to the Thrivecast. We're so glad that you could be a part of, uh, of what we're doing today. Thank you. I'm very happy to be talking to you. Cool. Glad right to on. have you. And, and are, you, are you in New York right now? I am. I'm right to- on, in New York City. And uh, yeah, right on. Well, we're, we're excited. We, we actually, uh, we spent, so, so the way the podcast works is we, we have the first half of the podcast, me and Jason just talk about whatever nonsense is on our mind. And, uh, and, and we were thinking about talking about organizational change. We wound up talking a lot about your, about the, the, uh, the Ruben tendencies, uh, uh, yes. which is that what you decided to call it? Cause you were, you had, you were kind of up in the air on a couple of names on that. You know, I still haven't decided what I want. I want. So if anybody has a great idea, please contact me immediately. Um, uh, I want to find the word. It's like, you know, I don't know if you know the book, The Five Love Languages. Yeah. Yep. Like you don't even need to, you don't need to know anything more. You hear that title and you know exactly what this book is going to be. Hmm, and I right. wish that I could say the four something tendencies or the four tendencies of something to right. make it totally apparent. Um, but I haven't found the perfect word yet, even though right. I think the framework is so powerful. So I'm still thinking. It, okay. So we, so it is a powerful framework and me and Jason were like weirding out about how, how locked in we are to our, uh, to our, our particular tendencies. I'm an upholder, Jason. I am an obliger. So I'll do, you know, whatever people want me to do for them. <laughs> and but you're, that's you're in a, a good pairing. See, you guys make a good team. That's a good pair. Yeah. Right. Cause I can get Jason to do whatever I want. <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> I am and your you're, robot. You're an upholder. You're an upholder, right, Gretchen? Yes, I am. And I do a podcast with my sister, um, Elizabeth Kraft, yep. and she's an obliger and I'm an upholder. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, right it's, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm 100% an upholder. So, Gretchen, okay. you, you wake up in the morning and you're a to do list maker then. That's what yep. an upholder does. Yeah, an, an, an upholder really is executing, is, you know, knowing what's expected of them and what they expect of themselves, and they're just very focused on how they're going to meet that, But not you say? But not, yeah, but not necessarily needing the motivation from somebody else. They can be intrinsically motivated to get their list knocked out, right? Yeah, they don't need external accountability, for the most part. Uh, now, it can be helpful sometimes. I think sure. for a lot of us, external accountability is kind of reinforcing. But for obligers, external accountability is super, is crucial. And for right. upholders, it's not as important. Okay, so I, I need, I, here's one of the things that, that we determined that we needed your help with, with the tendencies. Help us understand rebels, because... Oh. They sound I like a-holes, basically. Should we, take a, should we take a step back for your listeners, and, like, I'll explain the four tendencies? Do it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, and I'm going to explain it, and most people can kind of diagnose themselves right away, but there is a quiz on my site. If you go to happiercast.com slash quiz... There's a quiz that you can take if you want kind of an answer to be spit out, and then you can get a little report uh, on your tendency. But most people can understand just from a brief description. So this has to do with how you meet an expectation. So there are outer expectations like work deadlines, and there are inner expectations like New Year's resolutions. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations alike. They meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. Uh, but didn't you say that the, there's a problem with upholders because we what what is it like 
Well, hang on. Let me do the whole thing, uh, okay, and then we'll okay, go back. Because I feel sorry. like I need. I. I I'm like I'm too. Okay. Li- I'm too linear. Um, <laughs> okay. She's an upholder, Greg. Leave her alone. You got. I got to march through it, right? That's 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 the expectation. You got to check it off. Got to check it off, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Questioners cool. question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they hate anything arbitrary or irrational or inefficient. Their first question is like, "Why am I listening to you? Why am I doing this anyway?" But once they're convinced that they should do something, that it makes sense to do something, then they can do it kind of without, they just can do it. Obligers, as we were talking about, obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So they're great about meeting a work deadline, but when they just are wanting themselves to go for, start running or get back into playing guitar, they struggle. And then finally, rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. So they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it in their own way. If you ask or tell them to do something, they are very likely to resist. They don't even like to tell themselves Mm. what to do. And rebel is the smallest tendency. The fewest people belong to that tendency. Upholder, though, is also – well, I can't remember which of you uh, is the upholder. It's me, Greg. Greg is the upholder. So, Greg, you and I – there's two of us in a conversation of three. That's unusual because upholder is only slightly larger than rebel. It's a tiny tendency. Overwhelmingly, people are questioners or obligers. Those are the two dominant tendencies. Is is one of those uh, outweigh the other or are they pretty evenly matched? What do you mean? The, like, are there in terms of just the quantities of obligers versus questioners? Is it is it is it about I, even? No, I think there are more obligers. I think okay. obliger is the largest tendency. Um, it's I can't tell by how much, okay. but it's because there's a lot of questioners. But but I think obliger is the biggest tendency out so, there. So to me, rebel. Okay, rebel sounds bad, and I know that's not what that means. Um, so in, in a minute, we're going to ask you about strategies. But why why does it sound like? They they don't want to obey anybody, not even themselves. It's like, well, you got to do something. So, right. why why does it sound bad? But it's probably not. I guess. Well, you make a very important point, which is that we we all do things that we must do. Yeah. If you're going to get fired, um, you know, you're going to do something. Um, if you if your spouse is going to divorce you, you will do something. I mean, I know a rebel who didn't want to ever wear seatbelts. He never wore seatbelts, but he got a couple of big, huge, whopping fines, and mm-hmm. like now he wears a seatbelt because he doesn't want to pay the fine. So, big, so the big. question is, what do you do when you don't have to do something? When what mm. is your what is your instinct? What's your impulse? Now the thing about rebels is they can do anything they want to do. And that is the key thing, because this is just a very tiny aspect of your personality. So you might have a rebel who's extremely ambitious, very smart, loves a challenge. And so if you put that rebel in an environment, you know, in a, in a, you know, they've got a job where the stakes are high, the, the work is challenging and exciting, they're working with smart people, that rebel's going to want to show off, that rebel's going to want to succeed, and so they're going to be able to do things because that's what they want. Now, but in a different circumstance, if a rebel, if, you know, if they're at home or, or they're in, you know, they're working for a boss they don't respect, they're doing work that's really boring, and somebody's like, you got to go to the staff meeting at 8 a.m., they're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> you know, and so, and, and, the, and, the, and arguments that would work with other tendencies, like this is what's fair. This is what other people are expecting. You said you would do it. This is what's polite. This is what you ought to do. That's not going to work with a rebel. They don't, that, that, those things just aren't important to them, but this is what you want. 
this is what works for you. This is going to be, this is going to get you closer to, to being the kind of person that you want to be. So for instance, a rebel, if you said to a rebel, look, you signed up for that exercise class and we, and, and we paid for it. You got to go. They're going to be like, no, I don't. I'm not, I don't have to go. But if, but if the rebel is thinking, you know, I think of myself as like a youthful, energetic person, but I'm kind of been off my game. I think it didn't feel good to get back to the gym and like get back in my fighting self then they're going to feel like going. And so then they will go. So they can do these things, but they have to want to do it in a way that the other tendencies don't really have that issue. So it seems, okay, so the questioner, so our producer, who's my wife, she is a questioner. Mm, um, yeah. and she does ask me a lot of questions. Um, and But but I've learned, because I've been married to her for over 20 years, that I'm, I'm not challenging the thing you're talking about. I'm actually trying to gain buy-in, which, you know, Figuring out she's a questioner tendency is what's helped me to do that. So it seems like questioners are trying to trust, like that's what they want. And when they do trust, then they're all in. Is it a trusting thing that a questioner is trying to gain? Like, can I trust that this thing is a right thing? Because if if it is, I'm all in. You know, it's it's very interesting that you use the word trust because I have to con- confess, I never thought of it in terms of trust. Mm. But I think that's a really valuable concept to bring in because one thing that questioners often say is that because other people often perceive that they're being uncooperative yeah. or undermining because they're like, why do you keep asking me these all these questions? Right. Like, why can't you why can't you trust me? And the question is like, I just need to get there. You know, mm. I just need to be brought on board. And here's an interesting thing. And maybe you've noticed this. Questioners often hate to be questioned, which mm. seems ironic. But they're kind of like they're like, uh. if you. If it's me and I'm telling you this is what to do, you've got to trust me that if, I, if I'm if i saying it, it's because I've considered every option, I've done all the research, and I just can't even be bothered to explain it to you. Isn't it enough for you that you know what a question, you know, you know how much I weigh decisions. If this is what I say, then this is what it should be. But And, and I never thought of that idea of trust, but they're kind of like, trust me, you know that I'm thorough. And right. in order for me to do what you say, I have to... I have to trust you. And it's also interesting. I was just talking to a couple of questioners who were head of their own businesses and they were saying they like being the head because they hate so much (laughs) working for someone else where they have to accept that person's decision. And they feel so much more comfortable when they interesting can control all decisions because they trust themselves more than anybody else. Like, is this easy enough to say that a business leader, a leader of an organization with the team should probably be one of the four or can you, well, they, they have to be one of the four. Well, I know they have, but with like, can you pick one? No, I just made up a fifth one, Gretchen. Sorry. It's called Ah. the blummer tendency. Oh, no. what's that? No, no, I don't know what it is. So I, so I can't. <laughs> he just he just wants CBD. to be famous. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to be famous. It didn't work. Crap. Uh, um, no, so, but I don't know. Maybe you can't do that. You can't say typically a leader of a team they're going to really succeed if they're one of the if they're this oh, this particular oh, one. I don't well, know. It's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about that. I talked to it was I had this conversation with somebody who was the CEO of a of a big public company. And yeah. he said, I think only upholders could be the head of a big public company wow. because really? it requires so much discipline, inner discipline, and, the, and, and also the willingness to meet the expectations of others, that there's so much scrutiny on you. 
um, that the only way that you can have what you need is to be an upholder. And, and I, and, and there was like another kind of banker there and he was like, and who, who was an upholder? And he's like, I totally agree with that. But then I'm like, this is three upholders saying that yeah. upholders, I'm like, I think if we had three questioners here, they might say different. I think that I all four can succeed. I think yeah. rebels have a tough time because I don't think they would want to be in that environment. So mm. put the rebels to the side, but I think the other three can do it depending on the other personality traits that they bring into it and how smart they are about finding ways to offset the limitations of their tendencies. Mm. All these tendencies have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And the person who's super successful is the person who's like, I see where I tend to have trouble. And so I'm going to build in mm. buffers and I'm going to build in buttresses that are going to allow me to manage those things. And so I think it's more a question of self-knowledge and self-management, allowing you to succeed rather than needing to be a particular tendency. Gotcha. So one of the things, and this, this came out really clearly, uh, you know, when, when both Jason, uh, Jason, did you download your, your profile? I don't know. I don't think I did. I think he, I do have a, it one. Though. He's an obliger. So he was just like, okay, I accept what you say. <laughs> the, all, all, the, all the questioners, we gave this to our community. All the questioners downloaded their report. They're like, let me just see if this thing is right or not. Yeah. So. so one of the first clues that a person is a questioner is they say to me, I question the validity of your framework. And like, and right. You are. Right. Yeah, I know it's when you are. So, so, so in those in those profiles uh, that I, I downloaded mine as an upholder because I uh, I was interested in knowing more and uh, but you know there was both an internal and external expectation for me to do that so I did it and uh, and one of the things that you mentioned in because because we kind of shared the different uh, in the community we got to see we, we no rebels shared what the rebels tendency profile was but but we got to see the rest and it, in your book you have strategies to help pe- that are going to help people uh, I'm assuming I'm assuming it's to maintain habits that you have that you want to keep. It's to dispose of bad habits and it's to develop new habits. Is that what your strategies are are intended to do? Yeah. Now there's so in better than before, I, I identified the 21 strategies that we can use to make and break our habits. And, Uh and of the 21, some of them kind of work whether or not, whatever your tendency is, it doesn't matter what your tendency is. And okay. some of them work for some people and not for others, but not based on your tendency, but based on some other aspect of your personality, okay. because mm-hmm. your tendency, like I say, it's one slice of your your personality. But for many of the strategies of the 21 strategies, many of the strategies will work better or worse for you, depending on your, on your, on your tendency. So for instance, one of the most familiar, popular strategies of habit formation is accountability. Mm. This works for a lot of people. It is absolutely crucial for obligers. This yes. is, my argument is is that if you are an obliger, you must have external accountability for anything that's an inner expectation. And I've heard from so many obligers who are like, this is the magic answer. This is solves all my problems. It is. This, <laughs> this is, explains why I've been able to do something so faithfully and letting keep letting myself down in these other ways. And now that I see that I just need accountability, it's a question of how do I do that? On the other hand, for rebels, accountability is actually counterproductive because mm, yeah. rebels hate the feeling that somebody's <laughs> holding, looking over their shoulder and telling them what to do. You can imagine if you're a doctor and you want somebody to take your blood, their blood pressure medication, it's going to make a very big difference who's sitting in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Because if you say to somebody, hey, this is doctor's orders and I'm going to have my staff check up with you once a week and make sure you're taking your medication, the obliger is going to be like, okay. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. And the rebel is uh. going to be like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> Watch me not take that medicine. You can't. Right. 
just gonna... the idea, just the words doctor's orders, it's like they're out. I, I, <laughs> I talked to a rebel emailed me today saying she got a rebel, uh, a, an email from work. And the headline was, please read. So she immediately deleted it. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's awesome. They're such, right? why, they're like buttholes. Why are rebels like this? We need yeah, but to. But they're not. It, did, it depends. If you have an inconsiderate rebel, it, you know, it can go, it, they can do some pretty extreme things. But <laughs> many rebels are very, very considerate, very uh-huh. ambitious, want to get along, want to do, you know, wa- don't want to antagonize others. Um, and so it really depends on like how everything matches up. But the problem is, is you do not want to incite in them that spirit of resistance. Cause the more, if you even say that, like mm. for many rebels, if I said to you, Hey, Jason, you should read this book. You're going to love it. You'd be like, no, I no hate way. it. You know, like <laughs> right. don't do that. Say, Oh my gosh, I just read the greatest book. If you need a book to read, you know, I've got a book. So, and then it's like, then they're like. Am I interested or am I not interested? So that's the strategies. It's how do you respond and interact with a person depending on their tendency? That's what you got to know. Yes. And then, and also yourself, because right. how do uh, you yeah. manage yourself? How do you, you're an obliger. How do you get yourself to do something? Or if you're working with an obliger, how do you help them? How do you speak in a way that is going to res or set up things in a way that's going to yeah. resonate with them? Cause like with questioners, you know, if you just say, we've always done it this way. Because I said so. Like that for mm. a questioner, they're like, that's they don't. absolutely, I'm out. Like, there's no right. way I'm doing that. Or they'll start asking, they'll try to vet it out themselves, I guess, and start asking even more. Absolutely. Because they need to be convinced. They need they need justifications, reasons. In, and they hate anything arbitrary, which is sort of hilarious. Like, many uh, um, questioners object to speed limits. <laughs> Because it's an arbitrary number. I'm a great yeah, driver. Okay. I should be able to drive faster. You're a terrible driver. You should drive slower. Why are we all driving <laughs> uh, 65? It makes no sense. I refuse to do that. It's like, awesome. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. So, so I have a so I have a question that Greg mentioned earlier, and I don't know if, if you have insights into this, but he mentioned, um, okay, since it's the new year and your book's a lot about habits, there, there's uh, creating new habits, there's maintaining ones you already have, and there's breaking bad ones. Is is one of those harder to do than the other, and and does it matter which tendency you are if you're trying to make a new one or get rid of one or keep 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 up going? Well, definitely, it's easiest for upholders. It does come more easily mm-hmm. for upholders, and I'll tell you what: if you look at a lot of the people who write books about like how to be productive and how to have good habits, I mean, I know a lot of those folks. There's a lot of upholders there. And I'm yeah. like, it's not because your system is so good. It's because you're naturally that way. Right. You know? right. Okay. So Gretchen, it, <laughs> that's the way you are though, right? Yeah. It, it, no, and when it, I was writing better, when I was writing better than before, <laughs> I was like halfway through before I figured out this whole thing. This thing like blew my mind. It was so hard <laughs> to figure out. And one of the things, and I, then I had to go back and rewrite the whole book and rethink the whole book because oh. what I learned about myself is that I'm like an extreme unusual kind of personality, which by the way, came as a surprise to no one but me, but I thought I was pretty average. And I was like, why is it that everybody has all this trouble doing stuff? And then it's like, now I understand why, you know, because, but but it's so easy to think everybody's like you. You just assume that other people are more or less like you. Well, in this way, we're all very different from each other. And once you see that, it's just like you talking to your wife as a questioner. My husband's a questioner. I speak to him in a very different way now because I just know he just always wants to know why. It's so like you, I just have to include that. You just give him the answers. You know he's going to ask, or you let him go ahead and ask the questions, and just you're patient with him as he's asking. Or okay, so here's the dumbest example, right? So he goes to the gym, and on his way home, he passes this grocery store, and I want him to pick up sliced turkey. Hmm. 
Now, I know that he doesn't like picking up sliced turkey because he doesn't like waiting in line while they're slicing it. That's the thing about questioners. They often really hate waiting in line. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, and I know that if I said, if I texted him, please pick up sliced turkey on your way home, he would think, not he is not a jerk, but he would think, why should I? You have plenty of food at home. I don't want sliced turkey. If you want sliced turkey, you can go get sliced turkey. <laughs> I'm not going to. Sounds like I my wife. I had to give him a reason. And, the, and I, so in my text, I said, please pick up sliced turkey. Our younger daughter has two field trips next week, so we have to pack lunch. Because, you know, <laughs> you can't pack peanut butter these days, right? That's, no nuts. That's right. No so, nuts. And so he did it. Because the fact is, I gave him a reason. It's more, con- you know, it's convenient for you, and we need it for our daughter. It's not just some arbitrary thing that I'm asking you to do. Why shouldn't I do it? It's like, this makes sense. And then he did it because it made sense to him. Yeah. Why I was asking, why it was the sliced turkey, why at this time, you know? And so now it's just like, instead of like him not doing it and me being annoyed and us having this little like, you know, kerfuffle, I can just give him the, the, I can just give him the reason that he needs right there. And then no problem. Because the thing about questioners is once they're on board, they're very, they, you know, they're very, they really do execute. They really can follow through, but, but not if they don't buy in. Right. Well, it's like it's like what you said that because uh, I thought this was so insightful. Question: You said questioners make all expectations into internal expectations. Mm. Yeah. What does yeah. what does that mean? Tell me what well, that it means. means. Like they have to buy in. They have to say like as an upholder, Greg. I don't know about you, but like if you had a teacher, like imagine yourself back in seventh grade, and you had a teacher you thought was just a tremendous chucklehead, and the tr- and the and, and they said, oh, you have to write this really stupid book report and turn it in by Friday. I would have done it. I'm like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a teacher. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even occur to me to question. Like, but to right. a questioner, questioners like. I don't respect this teacher. It's a dumb assignment. I'm not going to learn anything. Why am I listening to this teacher? Why am I doing this work? I'm not going to. And I've heard from so many questioners saying how much they struggle in school because they feel like so many of the demands put on them are arbitrary. And so they don't want to do it and then they get in trouble. So, but once the, if the questioner is like, you know what, I really do need to learn the multiplication tables because I understand that when I'm doing more advanced math, it's going to save me time if I just know that in a flash and I don't have to think about it and I don't have to look it up. So, okay. It seems like it's a big, boring thing to memorize the multiplication tables, but I see why, I see why this is going to be useful for me. So I'll do it. You know, they have to, they have to decide for themselves. If you're just like, you need to do this because I say so. No. It's, if it's just external, external is not enough. Well, what if, yeah. I mean, what, golly, this could be so difficult if you have a, I mean, depending on the size of your company, let's say you're leading a team and you have, I mean, you know, 400 people, they're yeah. all, you don't know what they are. Maybe you should, they should all take the test. I don't know. But I mean, you're, you're not supposed to give things in four different ways, right? And well, but you know, you, but what you can often do is you can incorporate elements into it so they all hear what they want. Yeah. Um, so you can make sure, like I was, I just amused myself, you know, when we had uh, Hurricane Sandy here in New York mm-hmm. and, and as an upholder, I was astonished by how many people did not evacuate. They were in these like <laughs> areas that were clearly going to be flooded by a hurricane. And the mayor was like, you people in this zone have to get out. And then they had news footage of people like playing Frisbee in the park, you know, being like, eh, I'm not going to evacuate. It's like, what are you? I mean, yeah. I was, I was he told you to leave. Yeah, they told you to leave. <laughs> but so I was thinking, like, when you're giving the message you need to evacuate, you need to say like to a questioner, you would need to say, you know, you'd have to say, this is why we think it's going to be flooded. And you may feel like your building is very solid, but, you know, these experts, and here's who they are, are saying that this is, an, this is you know, different. 
This is why we're tracking it and really show them the reasons why we think you need to evacuate. So it's the authority, it's our information, it's why you're not an exception, why even if you feel like you're safe, why you think you're not safe. Obligers, you would say things like, you're going to put first responders at risk if you do not evacuate because somebody because we're going to know you're there and we're going to have to come get you. And so other people are going to be responsible and we're going to know you're there and that you did not evacuate. And you're putting the people around you, like you've got children with you, you may, you know, you're not gonna have electricity, you're not gonna have power, you're not gonna be able to travel. So think about your duty to other people. You've gotta be a good citizen. You've gotta show other people how to behave. And then rebels, you, you talk about freedom and choice because rebels hate to be trapped and they hate to be told what to do. So you could say things like, okay, if you're in your apartment, you know, um, there's gonna be you know, no access to the streets, no access to transportation, no electricity, for days, we can't predict how long. If you're in your apartment, you should plan to stay there for many, many days, right. and it's not going to be very much fun. And then a rebel's like, eh, I don't want to get stuck in my apartment. I'm going to go stay with my friend uptown. You know, yeah. And so you could, in, in a very short paragraph, you could hit each of those notes in a way so uh. that everybody hears kind of like, you know, it's like the dog whistle for their <laughs> tendency so that they, you know, um, they hear the thing that triggers in them the the sense of agreement like yes this makes sense for me so uh, okay so let me ask you something as as i mature in age <laughs> do tendencies tend to change or have you seen people take it have one tendency and or maybe it's it's too new but people could possibly change over time i mean people change maybe their tendency could change too i guess you know i really think these are like inborn hardwired mm. pervasive aspects of our personality i don't think mm. they change I have spoken to a few people where I think they have changed as a result of a catastrophic life-transforming event. One of them was a person who was addicted to heroin for three years. Wow. Mm. And... And and from a very like you know you know extremely well educated very well you know so it was like a huge shock in every possible way, and yeah. the person is not the same person that they were that I once knew. I would say that is a person who is not the same. And then people who go through truly you know almost dying from cancer or something yeah. like that, where like if you're an obliger and you go through that, I think in the end it's almost like you've been burned out of some of the. I, I think so. I think that can change, but I think is it like part of the normal? Like I got an email from somebody. And she was like, "Well, my husband's a rebel, but I'm a little distressed about what you're taught, what you're saying, because you, you know, you seem to be suggesting that you don't think he's going to outgrow it. But I'm, at some point, <laughs> I think you just grow up and realize that sometimes we all have to do things we don't want to do. I'm like, well, he's a full grown man, and you've been married for seven years, so like, act, no, I don't think he's going to change. Like, right. That's what he right. is. So, I think what she meant was, when is he going to do what I want him to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to very bring the bad news. Yeah. It don't it don't work that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not gonna happen that way. That's um, yeah, but hopefully, like if he, she understood his rebel tendency, then maybe she could work with it more easily. Like a friend of mine said, well, once I understood that my husband was a rebel, I realized like the less I ask for, the more I get. And it's so you know, it's like it's trip. like you. Know, I mean, so I think there are ways that you can work towards harmony. Um, but I don't. I think that overwhelmingly. People, st- but I think with I think it is true that with age and wisdom, you kind of learn this how to get the best out of your tendency. Like I don't yeah, know about you, yeah. Greg, as an upholder, I've learned to question more. Partly it's because my husband's a questioner, and so my impulse is to do something if somebody tells me. But now, right. even though that's my first instinct, I can hold myself back and say, "Wait a minute, yeah, question right. it." Do I, I have I to? Feel, yeah, and I I feel like I've just I've learned how to 
how to leverage how to leverage my own tendency, kind of the strengths the strengths based sort of thing, yeah. where it's like I know this is what I do. I work amazingly well with to do lists and and with schedules. So yeah. I schedule the hell out of everything, and yeah. I make a lot of to do lists, and I'm am very productive as a result. Yes. And then I think obligers often, even without understanding consciously, they realize that they do better. Like they go to the gym if they have a trainer and they meet yeah. a work deadline if their boss mm-hmm. gives them an exact, a precise date and tells them they're going to have a meeting or if they have a client who's waiting for a product. And so they'll, they'll yeah. build those into their lives. But then sometimes when that accountability goes away, like this happens a lot with entrepreneurs. Okay, so this is very dangerous for obligers. So let's say you're in a, this happened to a friend of mine. An obliger worked at a big company, super productive, um, no trouble meeting deadlines never let anybody down, but he had a dream of starting a fabric design business. And so he decided he was going to quit his job and start this fabric design business and did nothing for a year and went back to corporate America (laughs) feeling terrible. His dream was gone. He let himself down. Awful. Now, knowing what I know, that was five years ago. And now I would say, you're an obliger. You're amazing when you have accountability, but you cannot go into a zone like this where you're only accountable to yourself. You need to, whether you hire a coach or you join an accountability group or you get a client or you promise a nonprofit that you'll do something for them for free, like whatever it takes to give you accountability because you can do it. You just need this one missing piece. So it's when you know that, that you can build the circumstances that you need. Well, I was telling, yeah, I was telling Greg that, uh, you know, I, I try to get to CrossFit two or three times a week and, and I really enjoy it. But then I, they had this contest for four weeks, but you had to go five times a week. And I was thinking, wow, I can't do that. But, but there was this cool piece of paper. I had to put my name down uh, every day and, and I totally killed it. And I was like, you did. Wow. How did I do that? So now, now I went to one of the trainers and I'm like, you need, here's some money. You need to give me a schedule four times a week. And I've never, yeah, I always do the schedule. I look at it and I do what he tells me to do. And it's like, yeah, so I'm, I'm learning. So I think that's, that's part of knowing your tendency is that you can then leverage, like Greg said, you can leverage it to get the most out of yourself, which is really cool. no, a hundred percent. Because then you know, kind of the tricks of the trade. I, I mean, speaking of that, like, of an, I was speaking to like, a, there's like a big fancy um, New York City gym uh, chain. So I was talking to their trainers because obviously they're very interested in habits. And one yeah. of them, after my presentation, one of them came up to me and said, "Okay, well, one of the things that we really try to do at this gym is if, is to talk to learn people's names. So if they come to your class, you try to learn their name. Clearly, that makes good sense." Yep. She said, "Well, what I've been saying is like, hey." Jason and Greg, I'll be here next week. And she said, now I'm going to change it. I'm going to say, hey, Jason and Greg, I'll see you next week. Yep. Because uh, then right. it's like Jason and Greg are thinking like, ooh, my, my trainer is expecting me to be the class. Yes, now, right. Is this huge? It's not huge. But on the margins? Yep. It's helpful. Oh, it sure. is. Our trainers yeah. our trainers do that. And they'll say, see you tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, crap. Right. Uh, I need to tell them. I probably should tell them that I just right. can't make it tomorrow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a lot of obligers find it helpful to form accountability groups because mm. if you have just an accountability partner, sometimes that partner drifts off and then yeah. you're stuck. 
And so on my site, GretchenRubin.com, in the resources, there's a, it tells you, like, it's just kind of a starter kit for how to start an accountability group. <laughs> That's cool. Because hiring a coach or a trainer is great, but sometimes people don't want to spend the money. Right. And you don't really need to because, I mean, they, ha- they, ha- they do offer special benefits, but if you want to start an accountability group, that can be really powerful. So I just wanted to let your listeners know that if they if they're sort of attract if they feel like oh this could be cool, um and they want to start an accountability group that's something to kind of help help you get off the ground. Nice, nice. Well, uh, Gretchen, I was gonna say you're a fascinating person. Yeah, this and, is cool. Uh, oh, and yeah. I, seriously, I gobbled. Why did over, I interrupt you? I, <laughs> yeah, right. I, uh, I, I would have loved to talk for, for twice as long about habits. I would have loved to talk for that, that much uh, longer about, uh, about happiness uh, and your happiness project. I know that in your happiness project book, you mentioned that you learned so much about money that you were thinking about writing something, an entirely different book about money. And I'd love to pick your brain about that, but we're kind of, we've run out of time. So yeah. we're going to have to leave that for maybe, maybe we'll have you back on the next time you have a book that comes out. Cause you're, you're very, everything you're saying is so intriguing and so applicable that, that it's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for being part thanks, of the uh, thanks podcast. Thanks a lot. Yeah. We appreciate oh, you. Thank you. And I have a podcast too, happier with Gretchen Rubin. So if you, if people want to listen more, they can check over there, listen to yours and listen to mine too. Awesome. Right on. Love Sounds it. perfect. Now, now stay on the line. Cause we do need to record a secret stash. It'll just take a, a few minutes, but, uh, but yeah, thank you thank for this segment. Thank you so much for, uh, for being part of it. Yeah. We're out of here. Dude, that was so awesome. She's very intelligent and this is helpful. So insightful. Jason, insightful. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. It, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if, if it hasn't been pounded into your head yet, go get Gretchen Rubin's book, uh, better than before. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a, bunch. she said she had 21 strategies. I think we explicitly talked about one of them. We right. got a few more on the secret stash. You'll have to wait till December for those, but we, in no way we, there's probably 17 strategies that we didn't cover in this podcast. <laughs> Go get that book. So if you want to be a better person, go get it. And, of course, you read The Happiness Project, which was, I guess, her first book. I think it was her first – it was kind of her breakout one, and it was it was fantastic. It was a great book. I, I highly recommend that. I think happiness – you know, it's one of those things. If you're a happier person, you're going to be better at what you, you do. You'll be more productive. People will like you more, all that sort of stuff, and you'll just enjoy your life better. Um, so yeah, great thing to do there. Um, we also, in the show notes, go check it. She's got a podcast. She's got a blog. She's got all that stuff. Great, oh, yeah. great resources. Good uh, we we want to give a big thank you to Avalara for being a sponsor for come from the very beginning. Avalara has yeah. been there for us with this podcast from the very beginning. They've been there for you to help you meet your sales tax compliance <laughs> needs. And thank you for not giving us an example of how awesome they how are. How awesome they are. Right. right. I'll try to, I'll try to like, come up like with Like the them. Mike Tyson of right. sales well, tax Well, they compliance. are. They, yeah. I was... <laughs> <laughs> and also, we're thankful for Zoho Books for being a sponsor. So you guys are awesome, and you make the podcast freaking possible yep. and for it was the good, world. It's good to meet those Zoho people at Deeper Weekend. So thanks yes. for coming out to, to Deeper Weekend Zoho. And you guys go check out Zoho.com slash books to check out more from Zoho. Uh, we got a couple other people to thank. 
And we do. And uh, we have Aaron Dowd, our audio engineer. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron, sorry for the things that I mutter under my breath and the part that's not getting on the podcast. <laughs> and thank you, uh, Jennifer Blummer, who's a questioner who uh, who puts us together so that, uh, you know, just dishes up the topics and gets our right. guests and all that stuff for us for the podcast. So, Jennifer, you're wonderful. Thank you for that. Jason, how can people get a hold of you if they want to contact you personally? Probably Twitter, you know, Twitter. Jason M. Blummer right. on Twitter. How nice. about you, Gregory? Greg Kite, at Greg Kite. Hit me up on there. Uh, we did hear recently from a from a listener, and it was a wonderful uh, wonderful little message to guess where she just found us. And it sounds like she binge-watched like four and a half years of episodes in a couple of days. And she was <laughs> oh like, where's your where's your December podcast? I need I need more. Oh, so man. So that was awesome to hear. So if you if you uh, if you want to shoot us a note, tell us that you like the podcast, tell us that you hate the podcast, uh, tell us uh, you know that you wish it was video because we sound handsome. Uh, any of that kind of stuff, we'd love to hear it. So, <laughs> or review, or give us five stars on iTunes. Re- yep. iTunes review. Yep. Yeah. Leave us a review. That'd be great. So that's it for January. Happy, Th- happy January and going into February and have a good year. Yep. Everybody. Exactly. Thanks, guys. See you next time on the Thrivecast. I went. I heard that. I heard what you if gotta, you cut that out? Your, your asthma kind of kicked it. So we're still recording. I wonder, Aaron, if you cut that. Out. Or, or leave it in and leave this little banter because that's. Or leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're putting Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end. I know, the, 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 with the wheezing and the alcohol <laughs> inhaler. These are the things that you need to use to not be wheezing at the end of the podcast. <laughs> my, my impersonation is getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're recording now. Okay, do Arnold Schwarzenegger say you need to lose weight, Jason? Jason, it's a new year now. <laughs> and why are you still so flabby? Now, <laughs> to get rid of your flab, you need to start doing more resistance training. It's the training where you do you do weights and you do <laughs> cables and things of this nature. And that's how you get your body not so flabby anymore. Jason. <laughs> <laughs>